Americans. Someone do something about it. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 933KWTO and stream us on the 933 mobile app. Well, hot dog, man. This is Steve McCoskey back on KWTO. Thank you, Elijah, for uh, letting me sit in and have uh, another session. We've got a great lineup today, ladies and gentlemen. We've got Pete Renecki, he's retired vice president of Drury University. We're going to talk a little bit about engaging the neighborhood in our schools. Uh, we'll have Laura Mullins, the president of the Springfield NEA, uh, on. We're going to be talking about a little bit about unions, teachers' unions. We know what's happening out there today with all the unions. Those are the auto uh, workers. And then I think there was even a, uh, a health care union that was striking. Uh, we're going to have Bridget Binninger, member of the Nixa Board of Education. We're going to talk a little bit about social-emotional learning, as well as uh, Jacob Ruder. He's the director of Springfield Council of Better Business. Christina Townsing, member of the Ozark Board of Education. And Lori Rook, attorney of El- Ozark's Elders Law. So we've got a great lineup, folks. Get your pencil and paper out. Take some notes. And we're just going to start with uh, Pete. Pete Renecki, he's lived in Springfield since 2006. He's retired vice president of Drury University, where he's over, oversaw like facilities, construction, grounds, custodial services, uh, energy management. In addition, and germane to today's conversations, he helped Stuart Drury's relationship with Midtown Neighborhood Association. And as I started to say when I first introduced uh, Pete, his name, we talked about how he gets involved with the neighborhoods. Uh, with the Springfield, he's got, let me see here, he's got eight years with Bissett Neighborhood Association where he and his wife for 39 years resided, uh, resides, excuse me, I shouldn't say resided, that's past tense, isn't it? That is. Oh yeah. my God. Don't, still, don't, do that. Still, don't do that to me. You sound good when you're not here. <laughs> <laughs> he also served as chair of the city's Neighborhood Advisory Council for a couple years and was on the advisory group for Springfield Forward. And last but not least, Garrett. Garrett is going to keep me honest. He's going to keep me in time and in tow. Garrett, Garrett's going to be in and out of sleep for the next couple of days. <laughs> I just... The listeners know my battle with COVID is over now, but it's still uh, wreaking havoc on my uh, awakeness. But uh, luckily, we got the uh, Mr. Hot Dog in here himself to keep me up, keep me entertained. So I'm I'm excited for the show as always. Mr. Hot Dog. Listen to that. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going to introduce Pete here as I did. Uh, Pete Radecki. Pete, tell me something a little bit about yourself. I mean, you 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 and I talked before you came on the show, and I wanted you to come on the show because I wanted you to kind of help people understand what's happening in our neighborhoods. I think that you have a, a good footprint within our neighborhoods, and uh, we had a discussion like, how is it that the neighborhoods and the schools are coming together, or are they not, or what is your position on that, being in the neighborhoods? Well, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, we've kind of wondered about, how that has changed over the years and i'll tell you a little story back um about uh two weeks ago the city had a uh well it was a city and ky3 launched this 
deal tied in with the statewide uh, uh, Good Neighbors Week program. And uh, um, what uh, what they did was they they went to about four parks around town and they said, you know, what can we do to help get neighbors to to know each other a little bit better? And uh, and and they they brought out all just about all of the on air personalities from KY three. Uh, they had uh, they you know they do that weather school where they go out different communities they did that out there they had live music free hot dogs and ice cream and all that kind of stuff and and it was all just about getting folks out getting neighbors out get talking to each other getting to know one another and uh, I think we've gotten at a point that it's that's a it's a problem that that just not as much of that as there has been in the past um, I've seen. Um, uh, you know, some people blame it on COVID, but I think the trend line was a lot, lot longer ago than that. Uh, right. There's uh, quite a number of schools right now that don't have PTAs. There's a number of uh, neighborhoods that used to have associations. They don't have associations anymore. And it's just that things have kind of died off. Um, uh, I think some of the problem is just there's so much pressure on people's time in a social media world and and uh, all the various things that you know people are doing that are not about people to people. Uh, schools talk about the difficulty with social skills that the kids have, and that kind of thing. So all that kind of ties together. Well, getting back on that, my story, we had um, uh, Cora Scott with the city. She's the public information officer for the city. Uh, she talked a little bit about this event that they were going to do at these parks back at the uh, citywide neighborhood advisory council meeting in mid-August and she asked all the neighborhood representatives there there's about 24 neighborhood associations in the city uh, we were all there and she asked if we could maybe help to get the word out about this event and so I got thinking well you know one good thing would be to put a little flyer in the backpacks over at Bissett Elementary. I live in, in the Bissett neighborhood, and, you know, why not get a little flyer in there? Great idea. We used to we used to put flyers in there pretty regular with a, just different things that the neighborhood association was doing. But uh, that that uh, kind of died off a little bit with COVID. Um, so uh, it was a little bit of a shock to me that, that uh, we couldn't do that anymore. We used to, um, uh, like I said, put these flyers in. Um, but now to to do a flyer, you draft it up. It goes to the uh, head office with the school system. They have to approve it. It has to have a big long disclaimer on it that basically it's kind of lawyered up, and it's it's basically saying the school system isn't supportive of it, or they're not involved with it. So right. that there's a separation. And then uh, if you get all that approved, and by the way, we did do a flyer and we got it approved. That doesn't get into the kids' backpacks. What that allows it to happen is that I can bring those flyers to the school and they get set on a table. And maybe the kids pick it up and maybe they don't. That's going to be my question. How many kids do you think I, you know, actually I don't that know. Up? I probably, you know, before coming on, uh, I should have probably talked to the principal and just asked her, you know. She's great, by the way. Don't This isn't anything negative about, you know, the teachers and the principals or anything like that. It's just that we got this system, seems like, where the – the the kids you know they they kind of they get off the bus and they're put into the school and now we've got all kinds of security and all this stuff so 
So we really take care of them, really fearful about physically what's going to happen to them, you know, when they're at, when they're at school. And so it's, and then at the end of school, then they're, they go back on the bus or they get in, you know, in, in a guardian or mom or dad's car and they're off. Um, but there's almost no understanding within the schools about what that neighborhood environment is. Yeah. You know, and if I could touch on that a little bit with you. I think that's very important because as a board member of uh, Springfield Board of Education, I always talk about having that link with the community, uh, having having the link where you're actually physically being with them, not just talking to them. I mean, you can talk at them or you can work with them. Uh, the Neighborhood Association, though, do they actually have people at bus stops and stuff like that to help watch the kids or anything of that nature? No, generally not. Um, I mean, the schools, of course, have, have uh, crosswalk guards and that kind of thing. Okay. But uh, the neighborhood association, what they're doing is, and, and there's a lot of variety on them, okay? Okay. Some do a lot of, like, individual helping somebody. Like, uh, for example, I knew a guy uh, some time ago, and he was had some health problems and, you know, found out about it and went and mowed his lawn for him. Well, I wouldn't have known about that if I wasn't in the neighborhood association. Right, right. Um, we, uh, we canvassed what some issues were in our neighborhood and found that, boy, a lot of folks were real concerned about a couple of intersections. Uh, Nichols and, and Hillcrest was one, and uh, Glen Street, right within a block of Bissett Elementary, was another. They're just dangerous. And uh, fortunately, we were able to write a proposal and get funding, and, and got those two intersections taken awesome. care of. Awesome. We got a pavilion built in in uh, in in uh, Lays Park, which is a park in the middle of our neighborhood. Um, we have potlucks once a month, where you just go and visit, and and uh, we usually have a you know a police department par officer there. So if you've got a concern, so it's just a you know it's a lot of little stuff. It's not any big momentous kind of thing, but the important thing is you kind of get to know folks that you wouldn't know otherwise. I mean, I was a vice president of jury. Right. So who was I running around with? It was, you know, professors and, and you know, maybe some parents and students. Right. Um, well, in that neighborhood association, I'm, I'm, I get to know people from all walks of life. And we're all concerned about safety and security in our neighborhood. And I can tell you, we, I go to a meeting. I could not tell you what the politics are of those folks. I don't know. It's not important for what we're doing. Right. So it's not all this polarity. It's about how do we, how do we help our, help, help each other out? And, uh, and these things are, they're just kind of fading away. It's getting harder and harder to get people to, to see the value in that. I, you know, just, you, you may not know this, but roughly how many schools is within your neighborhood, uh, district? Uh, well, in our neighborhood, it's just Bissett Elementary. Okay. And then there's about, uh, I think there were about 800 or 900 uh, residences in our neighborhood. That's pretty big. Okay. It's- and there, well, that's actually one of the smaller ones. Um, there's a lot of other neighborhood, you know, registered neighborhood associations in town are a lot bigger. Right. And, and these aren't homeowner association deals where you're paying dues and all that. This is right. just, this is just, just city stuff. Well, you know, I think what's more, more important, I think to me is what I heard out of you is, there seems to be somewhat of a disconnect, maybe. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like the legal aspect that we're in today, the legal environment and culture that we are, the schools are just trying to do the right things and not have a lot of material that gets put in front of these kids for the sense that we want to have safety and security for our children, of course. 
but sometimes we might take that a little bit too far when we end up building distance between us and we are not getting with involved with our community and our schools. Uh, I, that kind of sums it up from where I like what I got. I think you're right. Uh, I think uh, getting back on this these events that were you know launched this year with uh, by uh, the KY3. city and KY three and and others mm-hmm. um, uh, is I got thinking about that. You know why can't the Springfield Public Schools get in touch with those folks and and partner with them for next year's right? So now it becomes a school event too. And maybe some of those teachers, you know, they might think of different things, maybe a little art activity or who knows what uh, that could be done um, in the classroom and tie those things together. Wouldn't it be great? I think so. What about this? Uh, does the neighborhood associations, do they kind of like knock on the door of the school, talk to the principal, anything like that, and kind of promote maybe a, a neighborhood event? Some, but it's not as easy as it used to be. We used okay. to hold our meetings at at uh, at Bissett Elementary. But oh wow! Why don't all, you now? Well, with the security, it's it's a it's just a little bit tougher. Gotcha. So we hold them over at Eden Village too. Um, you know where they, you know Eden Village, you know that program, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and it's great. They got a community room there. Some of their folks come out, but also just other folks from the neighborhood. So it's worked out. It works out well, but it, it's just a you know. It's the neighborhood as a whole. It's the young. It's the old. It's it's not strictly about the, you know, the elementary school kids. Right. Um, I kind of look at it this way about about neighbors. You know, I, I mean, I'm I, I, I'll be a little bit biblical here. I I hope hope that your audience doesn't. No, God have bless a, you. Come on, bring it on. Doesn't have a problem with that, but you Hallelujah. Know, Come. On. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, Jesus said, "There's you. You got to do two things. You got to love God, and you got to love your neighbor, and everything else depends on that." Yes. Well, I guess to me, it's kind of simple. How? And oh, by the way, love is not like ushy gushy, you know, right, emotional. Right. It's an intellectual commitment that you're making. That I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you. And then, then when the lawyer pressed him and said, "Well, who, you know, well, who's my neighbor?" But what did he say? <laughs> He basically said it's somebody that's in need. Well, how in the heck can you love your neighbor if you don't know who your neighbor is and you sure don't know what their needs are? Well, a neighborhood association is there for that purpose. Right. And and I just kind of feel like, you know, we've we've just lost that. We you know, we're we're so wrapped up in worrying about, oh, you know, I'm, I'm polyp, you know, like these politicians, you like those politicians or, you know, you name it. We're all just kind of wrapped around the axle about this stuff. And I, and I just wish we could get back to, to things that were, we're just caring a little bit about each other and about the folks that are living there. In 30 seconds, tell me, what would you do if you could change anything to contact and work with the school system? I'd, uh, I'd, I'd do a baby step. I'd, I'd ask, like I said before, I'd ask, see about could the school system partner with KY3 and the city for next year's event. And then, cause I think if they do, I think it'll grow a lot. And then I think it'll be, it'll be off to the races. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. <laughs> Rick, that's really great. I really appreciate you coming on this, on the show. I know we don't have a lot of time, but you have expressed your concerns and how it is that you believe that our neighborhoods Ours, we need to be getting involved with our kids more, and we need to find a way that we can help facilitate that. And the legalese is getting in the way of a lot of that. So if we can work and navigate through a lot of that, that would be fantastic. Thank you for coming on the show, Rick. 
We're listening to the Eliza Hart Show. We'll be right back after this message. She was terminally pretty. A little slow getting up in the morning? Wake Up Springfield will meet you where you're at. If you miss the morning show live and want to catch the great interviews and analysis on demand a little later in your day, you can go to 933kwto.com or our app and click on the Wake Up Springfield podcast page. So it's okay if it's lunchtime. Locally made, naturally delicious. This is the Elijah Har Show with Springfield's premier news analysis and opinion on 93.3 and AM 560, the new KWTO. Well, welcome back. This is Steve Gosky standing in or sitting in for Elijah Har. You can stand if you want to, though, Steve. It's I know up, he does all the time, doesn't he? He d- it stresses me out. I'm telling you, <laughs> it it it's like he's running a track meet every single time he's in here because every time I'm talking, yeah. he is sprinting basically around the room, just coming up with the next thing to say. It's it's stressful for me. Well, I, you know, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm like that too. If somebody calls me on the phone at home, oh, I drive yeah. my wife nuts. Because I'm just going up and down and up and down or back and forth, you know. And uh, believe it or not, when I first started filling in for Elijah, I seen Elijah standing up. I'm like, heck, I'm standing up. I like this, you know. I'm better on my feet than sitting on my butt. So <laughs> what can I say, you know. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, we have Laura Mullins here uh, in studio with us. And uh, Laura is the Springfield NEA, that's the teachers' union here in Springfield, which is, happens to be the largest uh, uh, teachers' union in the state of Missouri. In 1992, she was a graduate of Nixa High School. Uh, she started as a paraprofessional before moving into teaching. Uh, she worked at Doling Sequiota before going to Pershing Elementary and Middle School, where her favorite subject was math, which was my worst. And and she has uh, taught online courses through launch and virtual learning, performing uh, created by, or, excuse me, learning platform created by the district. I'm getting tongue-tied already. Laura, welcome aboard, man. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, man. She, she is so shy right now. She's <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. We're going to help her through this. But uh, really, ladies and gentlemen, we want the education for you. And the education in this uh, segment is going to be about our teachers' union here in Springfield. And in general, the teachers' union. If I remember right, in uh, 2021, you became the president of Springfield Union, teachers' union here. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. I'm on my second term now. It's two-year term. So I just got reelected um, this past spring. Are you glutton for punishment or what? Uh, no, actually... <laughs> um, you know, I have, uh, even as a child, um, finding fairness and justice has always been something that, um, I've, I've wanted and advocated for. And so I think it actually was a really good fit, um, for me. And I think all these years in education and, 
um, all of them at SPS were, um, have helped me really get to know what, what really we need to be pushing for and advocating for and supporting, um, to make it what, what it can be the best that it can be. Right. Well, I think one of your priorities when you first took over, I, I pulled out an article that was conducted by, uh, an interview, I believe, with the Springfield News leader, Claudette Riley. And the heading is, New Leader of Springfield's Largest Teacher Union Will Hold People Accountable. That's, you think you've been doing that? I really I really do try. Um, I think that's the only way that you get, um, get growth and get improvements is by, um, even for yourself, holding yourself accountable. Um, and so, you know, I don't mind to ask the questions, ask the hard questions, um, and also seek solutions. So, um, I'm, I'm trying to play that role of if there's an issue, I, I want to know why it's happening. I want to know what we can do to make it better. Now, you mentioned issue. We have the, uh, Teamsters out there around mm-hmm. the United States that are, are striking. Uh, so if you had an issue, can you strike? No. In the state of Missouri, we are not allowed, um, to strike. And that is, um, something that's statewide it's it's something that the legislation has enacted that we um are compelled to follow uh i have here one of your priorities was to unite all the staff not just the teachers uh list a listing of the other employee groups right now if i remember right we had four groups when you took over the the teachers union here and those groups were, I think, were school nurses, mm-hmm. uh, secretarial, maintenance, custodial, and supply center employees, it, librarians and counselors fall under the Educator, teacher's category. Uh-huh. Right. So what other uh, departments have you added to the union since you've uh, became the president? Well, when you read that, I put a big smile on my face. That was and really, be. <laughs> yes, I mean, that was um, one of the things I first realized when I came in. Um, to this role was that everybody, all of our members were paying dues, but they didn't all have the same benefits, um, of a collective bargaining agreement. And so when I came in, we had, um, and these groups, all of the ones that we had had been established for several years. Um, and it, even though, so we had the educator group, which was called the teachers, librarian, and counselor. We recently changed that to educators because now educators look a lot different than just those three positions. Their title, sort of space, yeah, put in the category. Yes, there's more than just the three. So we broadened that to just be educators, um, because that role has um, has changed over the years. And then there were the nurses that were also under Springfield NEA, and they were kind of um, and the secretaries. They were called secretaries. We changed that to administrative assistants, also this year. Um, and then let's see, one, two. There's got to be one more. I can't remember. No, that was the two that were under SPS or under SNEA, sorry, with the teachers. Then we had the facilities group, the one you mentioned, custodial. They were actually organized under their own. They organized well before the educators did. And so their contract had been in for a really long time. So one of the things I did when we, we, when I first got in was I pulled all of those groups under the same umbrella. So we already had the nurses and the administrative assistants. 
And then we had been contacted by the other employee groups. Um, and I didn't even know, like, how do I, who are these groups that I represent or can represent? And so I went to the actual NEA page and they had all of the families of, they're called ESPs and that's um, education support professionals. So there are all these different groups and I'm like, oh my gosh. So we have, um, you know, we could organize the information technologists, which we did. We could organize our support staff, which include paraprofessionals, which we did. Um, we can organize, um, our nutrition services, um, staff, which we did. And we organized, um, it's called the SISP group and that's like therapists. They're, it's called specialized instructional support personnel. And so those are like school psychologists, social workers, and they had their own group by NEA standards. So we organized them and also with the, um, therapists like speech, speech and language, occupational therapists, those all fit into that SISP police services. Um, that one was already somewhat in motion when I came in. So we finished that up and I think we were the first in the state to organize, um, a school police department. So wow. that was really exciting. That is. And gosh, am I forgetting any? There's four. <clears throat> I don't mean to put you on I think spot, that might be all of them. That, that is a lot. Yes. That is quite a lot. Yes. And so now we, SNEA represents under collective bargaining agreements, they all have one, um, 87% of SPS, uh, staff are, are protected under a CBA. So that I was really proud when an award, MNEA gave me an award. Um, which Tell was, us about the award. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it was the Soaring Eagles award for yes. like a new leader. And so I was really, uh, I was surprised. Um, I didn't know it was happening or I would have looked a lot better that day. Like I had frizzy hair. It was the day we go home. So I didn't like have full makeup on or anything. And then they make you go up in front of everyone. So I was so, um, overwhelmed with just feeling about it and, and happy for that recognition. And, um, so I got that accomplished in the first two years, which is what I wanted to do. Um, so kind of got everybody together, the ones that had been working alone. I, you know, I showed them the power of kind of working together. And then the Teamsters have 3% through the bus drivers. So, um, they're represented under their CBA. And I've been working with them, um, where we overlap on, um, common grounds, things that affect both employees. So, right. Yeah. You know, and, and you keep mentioning CBA. You mentioned at one time collective bargaining, bargaining agreement and stuff like that. Uh, very familiar with that. We're not doing any of that right now. We, no, we are not. We just want to educate people. Sure. We, we need to educate the, the public really what the unions represent or what they stand for. There's a lot of misconception about unions. I, I remember running for uh, city council one time and, uh, I got this, uh, these, these postcards I want to send out to people. You know what I mean? And then the union had their little stamp on there and somebody called me up and says, McCoskey. Why are you having a union print your cards? And I'm like, dude, hey, they got to make money too, just like everybody else, right? Yes. And that's what you're up for. You're in for uh, ensuring that they have their rights looked after, that they're getting uh, paid like adequately like they should, or even keeping up with the pay. Yes. I'm talk a little bit about that. How does that actually work out? I mean, do you get everybody together in the union to start talking about it? Is that what happens? And then you just all of a sudden arbitrarily come up with this number? How does that work? Oh, no, there's a lot of um, work that goes into, um, especially the financial part of it. Um, you know, I really wish we could be competitive with like-sized districts in our state because, you know, 
with trying to get teachers, we want to reach those those bigger cities um, and some of those wealthier counties that that have teachers. But the reality is, you know, the money that comes from the state is um, the money that comes from the state, and yeah. that's there's nothing. You know, we're not a for profit. SPS is not a for profit organization. There's not a ton of money that's sitting you know, unused or anything. It's all accounted for and the board does a great job of making sure that we're we're spending those those dollars appropriately. Um, thanks for that pitch. Yeah. Well I mean that's you know that's one of the things you're you're um tasked with doing and I, I like I do appreciate the accountability and the transparency that that you guys provide. Um so you know as far as we get the numbers um because we're part of a bigger organization, we, we can pull numbers from different districts and see what they're, they, you know, um, have on salaries and we can compare all those kinds of things. We do a lot of research on our own, especially the groups that like therapists that aren't organized across the state. There are no CBAs that have therapists in them, um, or really? not a lot of them. I don't even know if there's any SISP groups in Springfield. I don't, or in uh, the state of Missouri. I don't know. Um, but, now, I know there's like custodians and paras. I've seen those right. groups organized, but the ones that we've kind of, we, I mean, there's no more that I can organize. I've organized everybody, <laughs> but, um, we just do research. We get online. And so we have a bargaining team of members. And then we also, because you can't really ask everyone, but, um, we'll put out a survey to members and go, what, what are some things, you know, that you feel we need to work on? What are some things that, um, you know, we need to advocate for? And, and we pull all of that information together and then we, then we come to the table. So, and it's only a small group. So you might have, um, three to five people that represent each one that's trying to, you know, address the needs and find that middle ground. That's a good visual. Yeah, Um, good. You know, when you're, how long have you been in the school system yourself? The Springfield School District? 90. I want to say 97. No, no not, not that old yet. I knew it. I got four say. years left. Uh, 90, <laughs> I want to say 97 or 98. Yeah. I was hired on as a para, um, to make sure I wanted to be a teacher. And, um, you know, I had already, I was a second career. I already had another degree and I was already working and, um, I really have always wanted to be a teacher. And so I thought, took a huge pay cut to become a para even back then. Oh my. Um, but my husband supported it and, um, I got in there and I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do and went to school while I was a para and was lucky enough to get offered a position right into SPS at the same school that I had been a para at. And and so that's kind of how it started for me. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of how I got to where I am. You haven't bounced around a lot that I can tell. Uh, Pershing is probably the, the longest that you stayed right no dole uh sequiota was so doling okay doling i think the first year after i was a teacher um the superintendent closed some neighborhood schools at the time and doling was one of those Mm. and so um i got moved to whatever the openings were well i lucked out and got sequiota um which was closest to my home so i was really glad about that um i remember being being shocked at the the difference um from the two doling being in a, a high poverty zone where um, there were just a lot of differences where I was bringing the, my own treats for the, for their class parties. Um, you know, Educators I just do that a lot. Uh, yes. 
Um, you know, I had kids stuffing Oreos in their pockets to take home for dinner. Oh, wow. Um, it's, it, I have so many stories of that first year. Um, and I love those kids dearly. And then I went to Sequiota and had so many parent volunteers just wanting to help and help and help. And, um, you know, the parties turned into fondue parties with crafts and all these things. And so, um, I've really seen the gamut. I spent several years there, many, many years, like, gosh, maybe 18. And then, um, our daughter went through middle school, struggled a little bit with, um, social, you know, issues and friends. And, um, I've always had a heart for uh, being raised by a single parent kind of on my own and latchkey kid. I, um, I, I wanted to move to middle school. So I ended my, my teaching career. Well, I'm on a leave. I'm not done teaching, but I'm on a leave, but I let the last four years of Pershing and I loved it there. Well, I truly appreciate you coming on board and, and letting people know a little bit about our teachers union here in Springfield, the largest in the state of Missouri. And, uh, man, I, I'm blessed to have you on board here, uh, especially in Springfield public schools. And hopefully the uh, public will give you some more due, uh, as being the president of the, uh, largest school district or excuse me, union in the school district of Springfield. Thank you very much for coming on. You're listening to the Elijah Har Show. Steve Koski filling in for Elijah, and we'll be right back. made-up accusations, news, analysis, opinion. I believe you want the American people to believe we have operational control of the board. The Show Me Minute has been brought to you by Show Me Institute and Show Me Opportunity. Springfield weather on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Well, it's been a warm and windy day so far, and that's going to keep on taking us into the afternoon. Temperatures in the lower 80s for today with winds south 10 to 20 miles per hour, occasionally gusting 25 miles per hour. Tonight will be mild and breezy, taking us into your Thursday. Another warmer day in the upper 70s. Winds continue to blow in strong from the south, 15 to 25 miles per hour Thursday afternoon. For Fox 49, I'm meteorologist Tom Schmidt. We built this city. This is the Elijah Har Show. With former Speaker of the House Elijah Har. Just jamming in here today, man. Uh, as soon as I as soon as I set this song up as an intro song, I knew <laughs> I knew this was going to be a problem. <laughs> oh, it's all about having some fun, ladies and gentlemen. We have uh, another guest on today, and this is uh, we're, I'm going to introduce Bridget Bittinger. Okay, Hardly. and uh, Bridget basically she's. She's on the Board of Education over in Nixa, and I thought that this would be a great segue from the teachers' union in Missouri coming into a Board of Education member. And we have some several different topics to talk about. One is about burnout. Now, Bridget, uh, introduce yourself. Come on board, and let's start talking about burnout in the schools with teachers. That's 
I think that's a very relevant topic right now. Yeah. When you told me you were having Laura on, I said, okay, I've been meaning to pull out kind of where we are with the um, great resignation crisis. Okay. Which for your listeners that don't know, that's our, um, unfortunately, the situation that we're in with the great mass exodus of teachers. Right. And so I pulled some stats uh, and these are the top teacher burnout statistics of 2023. It says K through 12 teachers are the number one most burnout profession in the United States. Um, over half of teachers say they will be leaving teaching sooner than originally planned. There are, this one was quite alarming. There are 500,000 fewer educators in the American public school system post pandemic. Wow. Um, 44% of public schools posted teaching, va- teaching vacancies in early 2022. of educator job postings are going um, unfilled, um, and more than 61% of school administrators have found it difficult to hire personnel. So this is set to worsen as fewer college students, one-third fewer since 2008, uh, are planning to enter teaching, education, and preparation programs. So we are truly facing a monumental crisis. I agree because, you know, I think the landscape in the United States, the cultures are changing. Uh, you know, you have uh, from COVID, we've learned a lot of things that was taking place in our schools. And I think that has a lot to do with this, too. But even more important, uh, you're familiar with the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education in regards to the this this uh, survey that they did with regards to uh, social emotional learning. And I did not take the uh, survey. I don't know. Did you? Yes. You did? Okay. Yes. Uh, but I had some numbers here that were quite uh, astounding, as, as I see, like the results. They had uh, 1,800 responses. Uh, that's, I think that's pretty good. Me too. Yeah. And then we're looking at, uh, let's just tie this in here. The standards titled competencies, competencies of Relationship Building Education, or CORE, uh, narrow the education to three focused areas, me, we, and others. Now, me, a healthy sense of self, and I'm going to just cut it for short here, and then we are relationship-building skills that are critical to employment and life success, and then others is pro-social skills that have a positive effect on those around them and improve their communities. Well, I do have some issues with that uh, myself personally, and that is is you've heard me talk about four walls, all right? And in these four walls are, uh, let's just say it's a school district and we want to be teaching our children ABCs and one, two, threes. As a member of the Board of Education, I see this kind of uh, uh, one of those things that are trying to penetrate that four, those four walls and displace some of this uh, ABCs and one, two, threes. Well, to me, in order to be successful, once you graduate high school, you should have the basic academic skills, the knowledge that'd be math and science and English and know how to read and write and those type of things. And really, those successful careers actually help these kids become productive members of society and they do begin to fit in. Now, we have Desi sitting here talking about uh looking at these standards and pushing into the school system SEL. So take it from there. Right. So that's that's a good, you, you tied it together because that's been my main concern 
with Desi pushing down the social emotional instructional standards, right? They're yes, treating standards. it. So the language is very innocuous. You touched on the me, we, and others. And so really what they did was they um, narrowed down castle. So castle. Oh, God, um, don't get me started on that. Okay, so just for your <laughs> listeners, um, castle is the collaborative uh, for academic, social, and emotional learning and is the guide that um, 99% of, of of districts use for their social and emotional learning, right? And so what CASEL has focused on, and there was a transition in 2020 to transformative social emotional learning. And what that did was to focus on five competencies, self-awareness, self-management, responsible decision-making, relationship skills, and social awareness. So Desi just took those five things and said, we're going to call it me, we, and others, right? Right. But, but again, those things are sound great and they're good in and of themselves, right? Those are attributes that we want our teachers to be modeling in the classroom. And yes, it's okay, of course, for them to talk about them. But my, again, my concern is, and as you touched upon where we are as far as focusing on the basis, basics and how far uh, of how much of a decline our districts in Missouri have suffered right academically, Far, academically yes. correct yeah and so now we're going to layer on this and in a sense it's asking our teachers to then become um psychologists you know, behavior specialists yeah. well behavior specialists right and so it, it adds another layer of complexity to their day-to-day job it sidesteps the parent in a sense as well right yes. it takes the focus away again from academic instruction and the bottom line really is there's very little, if any, true metadata that shows that SEL instruction has done one of two things. It doesn't show that it's improved the indiscipline problem in the classroom, nor does it insh- show that it's improved academic test scores. Let's come back to that discipline problem here in just a second here. Um, I look at it like one of the reasons I don't know why you ran for Board of Education. I did because I've seen a decline academically on the average per student in Springfield Public Schools in that time. At that time frame, there was about 23, uh, 24,000 kids within the schools, school system. And so I see this decline, and I had to go do some research and data to figure out, you know, what's happening in our math and our science and English and things of this nature. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to run for the Board of Education because I want to be able to get back to focusing on academics, one, two, threes, ABCs. Now I see the social-emotional aspect coming in, and it's just where I don't know if we're trying to be their parents or what, but it seems like it is, and I, and I don't know that I'm uh, uh, an advocate for this at this point. And what I see is that we have a lot of behavioral issues within our schools, and this is so supposedly a Band-Aid or some way that we're going to turn that around and be able to help these kids become productive members in society. Well, it's not that necessarily that the parents need to be taking care of the kids. That's what it's all about. Right. What right. we need to do as a board of education is focus on education, period. We need to focus on education, period, yes. And then we also need to take a hard look at our policies and our discipline policies. And are they, um, are they supporting our teachers in the classroom? Because oftentimes our teachers are left um, dealing with Issues in, in discipline issues in the classroom, behavioral issues, right? Right. And are we giving them the tools 
to handle it. Are we communicating with the parents? Are we engaging? Is there that triangle between the student, the teacher, and the parent that says these are the discipline problems we're seeing in the classroom? And then conversely, is there the comfort level with the parent to say, hey, this is what's going on right now in our home. This is, this is what we're dealing with. I'm not asking for a pass for my child, but I wanted you to know this is how, this is what he or she is dealing with. And um, these are some things you can be aware of in the classroom to, and please keep me posted. So um, we have a lack of parental engagement in a lot of cases. Amen. And Amen. your first, um, I was listening on the way here, your first uh, person, Peter, that was on. I mean, yes. we need greater community engagement in our buildings. You know, when you say that, I, I look at it like this. Um, you have parents out there that are just really all in for their kids, mm-hmm. you know, to get an education mm-hmm. in, in, in all respects. Mm-hmm. Uh, education, faith, morals, values, instilling those those type of things. And then you have some, some of these kids don't have all of that, and it's very difficult. Believe me, I know. I, uh, I was nine years old when I was taken away from my family, and I was put in a foster home. I've had some very difficult times in my, my past, and and I really look at that as an advantage where I sit right now on the board of education because I can see and hear all of these different stories. You know, mm-hmm. these kids with these hardships and stuff. But the bottom line for me at that time frame, which I think is the same for these kids, is that I had people that. The teachers, mm-hmm. not trying to get me in the social emotional aspect of mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. Steve, behave, or I'm going to take a ruler and slap your hands or whatever. Mm-hmm. The, but they wanted me to focus all the time on ABCs and one, two, threes. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned. And I think I'd not, I turned out pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not putting that out there for a vote, but I'm telling you, I right. think I did pretty good. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, the, the discipline problems that we're having in our school system, yeah, I can assert. I can relate to those. I, I see a lot and hear a lot. I've sat at the uh, the dining room table just here a couple weekends ago uh, talking to some parents that had some issues with their child in the school. And unfortunately, the issues have gotten to the point that they're going to take uh, their son out of the school system. Mm. Uh, and and to me, I, I it's their way to be able to deter some of these issues that we're having with discipline within our school system. They just need to get their kid to another setting that they feel that's going to give them that education setting. But the, you're saying the problem, they acknowledge the problem lied with their child, the, the child's behavior issues? Not largely, oh. no. That's oh. what I'm saying. Okay, I had a conversation with a parent. It wasn't in mine or your district. Um, it was a surrounding district, and her concern was that her child is in fourth grade, and her concern was that, you know, her child was coming home saying, Mommy, um, the majority of class sits crisscross applesauce when they're when the teacher tells us to, but there's one student that's constantly, you know, throwing chairs, doing this, doing that, and the teacher's always having to be, um, you know, distracted and focusing her attention on this one student. And so I told her, you know, that if it continued, obviously she needs to address it with the with the teacher, the parent, because the parent is starting to get concerned, right? right so right. how much time is being taken away from my child's instruction time? So that conversation needs to be had with the teacher. And then I guess then the question needs to become, need, then needs to turn to what resources is that teacher being given to handle that one, that one particular student? And what the policies are in place yeah. from a discipline standpoint, exactly. right? And are they being adhered to and upheld? You got it. I mean, that's, 
that's really important is the process, the procedures, basically. Right. You know what I mean? And even more important, uh, I don't know about your system, but in our school system, you we have 24,500 kids. Mm-hmm. That's very difficult. We need consistency, you know. Uh, and I say we need. What I'm saying is, is not maybe every circumstance is, mm-hmm. is going to be consistent in the way that it's uh, treated or right. or addressed, you know, because you do have different types of levels of infractions and things of this nature, different degrees. Sure, uh, sure. And so it's difficult for our teachers today. Uh, and and I'll just throw this in there just for food for thought. If you got that one student that you talked about that's making the problems or having, uh, you know, throwing a desk around or a chair or whatever the case may be, you know, while that kid stays or remains in the classroom, I worry about the rest of, of the, the students. Correct. Not, not just the one that's throwing the, oh, the, yes. the seat around. Sure. You know, the, sure. But what we, what I think maybe we might be doing or should be doing is we need to find a way that we can remove that element from the classroom or that, that student, I should say. And let's get back to teaching the ABCs and one, two, threes to these kids and stop displacing all of this education mm-hmm. that needs mm-hmm. to be in play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know that in that particular instance, right? And we've probably, between you and I, have heard dozens and dozens of situations like that come up, either from a teacher telling us or a parent telling us, right? And so there's not a one size fits all approach per se. Right. But I'm not sure my concern again, going back to Desi saying that, that social emotional learning needs to be the uh, fix. Uh, uh, the fix. My concern is that in that case, talking to the fourth grader about self-awareness i'm not in that case right i'm not necessarily sure that's going to redirect the problem and um ultimately uh it's you know social emotional learning has become a captured market um and i want our local districts to remain local and not have this additional infraction and again outside circling back to where we started (laughs) another yet another requirement on the backs of our teachers and they're already stretched thin and i'm going to have you stay with us because we have uh, another uh board of education member that's coming on from ozark and i'd like to maybe have us three have that conversation a little bit further okay you're listening to eliza har show and we'll be right back after this message ladies and gentlemen Traffickers and violent criminals. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 93.3 KWTO and stream us on the 93.3 mobile app. Well, it's good to be back again. This is not Elijah Hart. This is Steve Bukowski filling in for Elijah. Man, I I thank Elijah a lot of times for giving me the opportunity to bring people to the community and let the people hear what is happening in these different areas like education or if it's a faith or it's business. And this this time, we have a segment where we have Jacob Ruder, who is the director of Springfield Council of Better Business. And I've asked Jacob to come on because, you know, I had the uh, Springfield president of the teachers union on. Uh, we've had Bridget on, and she's still going to remain in 
studio with us. And then her being a board of education member and me being a board of education member. But I've worked with Jacob in his group and what he's done to try to help uh, the the schools and help the children and help even uh, uh, members that are candidates that are looking to actually propel themselves into this limelight of the Board of Education. But welcome aboard, Jacob. I appreciate you having me on, Steve. Always love being on here. I know, man. You know, it's been a while since I've had you uh, on the show, and we talked a little bit about what the council actually does here. Yeah. Help help us understand a little bit about you, what you actually do. You're the director here now, so you're going to direct the traffic. <laughs> Let's go. Let's let us hear about what you're trying to do with the business here in Springfield. Yeah, well, first, in order to do that, you got to backtrack to why we initially started. And we started roughly two years ago with the idea, um, coming out of COVID, of uniting local businesses here together um, under, you know, like-minded issues of how we turn this community back around. And um, we've seen, well, really, over the past few decades, Springfield in a steady decline. And um, even some of the surrounding areas, not all, but some of them following in that same path, we look through test scores, look through crime, we look through multiple different statistical measures, um, and we continue to see a decline. So we came with a vision saying, how do we pull people together? There's a lot of people, and I think you'd probably agree with this, talking with people and even people who come to speak at your uh, school board, not even right or not just left, but everybody's frustrated. And I don't think there's, one, I don't think there's one person um, that says this community has really moved in a great direction in the past 10 years, maybe even past 20 years. And so we've came to the idea and said, you know what, let's bring everybody together. Instead of being individuals where we all just hang out in our own little groups, let's come together and we can find stuff to agree upon and really push forward through that, through that matter. And, and so we've done that. And now, um, we've kind of even taken additional steps and businesses are starting to, to see a little bit of wavering, um, out there. Just recently, we helped Green pass out some of their American Rescue Plan Acts, uh, funding ARPA for small funds. businesses. Yes. Yeah, so the ARPA funding. And through that, they had asked us to go reach out to not just Springfield businesses, but businesses um, within Greene County still, but not within the city limits of Springfield. So I've had the chance to go to Walnut Grove, Fair Grove, um, Ash Grove, Trafford, awesome. some parts of Rutherford, so all these different areas. And those people are really being hit hard, you know, and I see it, um, and even Republic. I, there's, there's some people that I talked to I'm in Republic. They're still doing well, um, but they also own some businesses in downtown Springfield. And this is what was interesting through the through the conversation. Uh, they just opened up a shop there a few years ago, um, just about a year preceding COVID. Um, so I kind of asked him, "How's your experience been in Springfield, and, and how's it been working?" And and he said, "You know, candidly, it's been miserable." And he started going down the the list of of things that he has through his through a store. And he goes, no, I get calls at 3 a.m. from detectives trying to do their job because people have been shot outside the back of my store. And I have cars lit on fire. He goes, I have homeless people, um, you know, walking through my door. They're charging their phones. They're doing drug deals in the bathrooms. And it's just this line of items that you continue to hear. Um, and some of the stuff you never, you'll never read about it, you know, when you go look right. at things. And, but it really changed my perspective. I should say really magnified my perspective on what these businesses are really going through. Um, not just in, you know, the rural areas who are struggling, um, with utility costs and everything spiking, but even here in Springfield and then downtown Springfield, obviously there's already a lot of pressures with the economy that we have in the macroeconomic scale. But on the things that we can control as a community, we're not doing a great job of doing it. 
And so one of our things that we've really focused on, uh, too, is one, the education side. Right. Um, and obviously city council, I go to every city council meeting, and every school board meeting, as, as you well know. But one of the things we really want to address is voter turnout. Because right now we have anywhere from 10 to 15 percent, at least in the city of Springfield, show up for these municipal elections. And I think, again, this isn't even political right or left. I think most people would come to the conclusion that if you're only getting 10 to 15 percent of people voting, you're not really getting the community's interest of what's going on, um, whether it's in the school boards or city councils or even on for bond issues or taxes. Um, and right now there's really nobody pushing the, the word out for that. Um, again, I'll emphasize we don't endorse candidates, so we try to stay as you know apolitical as possible. Um, but just getting the word out there so we can really embrace what's going on in this community. And it seems when people start to try to help this community and, and put it back on common sense measures, um, you start getting put into certain party identities um, rather than just people that are here to, to help the community. So we've really embraced that of how do we all work together? How do we organize together um, to really push for common good and common sense business measures that don't only help businesses, but really help the whole community? Um, so I, I just encourage any business owner out there um, or even individual who wants to be a part of a movement like that, who has a better vision for this area for Springfield and the surrounding areas, go visit our Facebook page, Business Council of the Ozarks. Go to our LinkedIn page. It has our website, has everything on there, has our contact information. What would that What would that uh, address be? Yeah, so you can just social media. You, yep, you can go on Facebook and just type in Business Council of the Ozarks, um, and it should pop right up. Um, but um, has our website on there, has has pictures. Business Council of the Ozarks. Business Council website. of the Ozarks has has our website on there. It's kind of a tongue twister. It's scofbb.com. So I try not to say that as much. So you can go to Facebook and it's it's right on there. And um, but no, it, it's just really important. Um, and we've seen tremendous uh, momentum in what we've done in the, in the first almost two years now. Tremendous momentum of people who really see that vision and realize that we're not where we want to be for one, but two we're actually going in the wrong direction. And it takes a lot of people who want to stand up and say, you know what, maybe my individual voice won't work and I can't get through to people. If we come together and we start pulling for these common goods um, and common sense measures, we can make this place attractive. And I think sometimes we always, as a community, we always skip to the next step. How do we retain people here? You know, how do we attract new businesses here? How do we do all this stuff, which is all great. But if, if our own businesses who are already here aren't happy, and it's not a good environment for them to thrive. Right. Then I think it's it's not very wise of us to say it in a nice way to think that we're going to attract other people here when when we look at, you know, whether it's our or even our school system and things that are going on um, really throughout our state, but especially here locally at our city councils, at, at, our, at our local jurisdictions, um, who, who some people are really trying to fight for a good fight. But for some reason, um, sometimes it's just not getting all the way through. You know, I can recall that you had invited me to one of your social groups, basically. You, you wanted to invite people in the public, business people, that uh, just wanted to mingle and start getting to know what your organization is all about. And not just that, that when I went and I attended, I met people that I hadn't met in since I've been in Springfield. Not only that, I just actually rekindled some acquaintances that we had and, and so to me it was a benefit from the very start um, and so stemming from that i have had that benefit and it's it wasn't like i had to come to a meeting every month or something 
you know, uh, in a special group that, uh, that, you know, was like every Thursday, every third Thursday of the month, you know, it was just, you invited people, we came out and we began to do business with one another once again, not you and I, but you know, the people that I had some old acquaintances with. And so it's been beneficial to me. Now, uh, can you think of a specific, maybe, maybe not mention the company's name or anything like that, that was kind of a really good tribute to what you were actually uh, espousing? Um, in, in what regard are you? Well, I mean, how successful did they come? What, Where were they at one point, and now they've been elevated just because of you, yourself, and your business? Well, I think information is power right and so the more information we keep getting out there you take you know for what i talked about the arpa funding a lot of small businesses um really needed that funding because they were forced to shut down and as, as you know a certain ppp funds and other grants that were out there um it went for primarily people who had employees where there's a lot of people who run a boutique or you know something unique that don't have employees they were forced to shut down for a month and yet they never got compensated for being forced to shut down by the government and so just things like that. And then also there, there's other programs, there's other businesses you had mentioned, I think, which is a, a great lead way into this, going to one of our events. And what you find, um, and, and you've been there so you can acknowledge this, is that these are business owners who are kind of, you know, hiding under rocks per se. You know, they're very passionate. They care about what they're doing. They kind of normally stay in their groups, but these aren't people you'll find at these other groups and we're not a networking group when you go there nobody's trying to sell you it's about business owners coming together and uniting around certain causes and and part of what we've done too and and we've taken the step towards this from the very beginning and our board has reiterated it as it sits right now we do not allow not-for-profits into organization because what we've seen is as groups allow that um not to discredit i mean we are a not-for-profit so not to discredit not-for-profits but as you do that then you start getting them, you start getting a lot of banks, a lot of insurance. So you can start getting a lot of these junior, um, whether it be lenders or insurance people, and everybody's trying to sell everybody. Then you have a lot of not-for-profits. So the business owners, they just quit showing up. And so we've really made it all about the business owner. How do we come, owner, how do we come together? How do we work on certain goals? How do we work in, in a singular movement without feeling like we're, like we're, far, we're so separated apart? And, you know, I was a little surprised by it. Um, when we first started, just that same exact principle, how many business owners are really out there? Very successful people, very maybe even some people who just started, but they are very passionate about this community and helping it. And it's almost gotten to the point now, it's sad to say, that they've only they've tried for so long, for so hard, that some of them almost are just wanting to give up. Yeah. You know? And I think for, for some people we're kind of their their last effort of, you know what, we want to help. We're tired of doing it on our own. We try to do what we can. We'll go to city council. We'll speak. We'll go to a school board speak. We'll help, you know, fund whatever we can. And it's just they haven't seen any return on it. Is it, is it something like maybe uh, that would be a, like a chamber of commerce but in a different light? Yeah, similar. Um, I think they focus more on some of the macro stuff. So how do we bring in, you know, these you know Fortune 500s and – and how do we do yeah. these certain trainings and, you know, things that, uh, and, and we've always said this, the chamber always will have a niche and obviously they're national and, um, we have nothing against them. We just have our own way of doing things and see our own vision. And sometimes those visions align and sometimes they don't. But as I repeated earlier, if you're a business owner and you're not happy with the way things have been, 
then you should take a look at us. We're going out there. We're working every day. And the reality is a lot of small business owners, um, and you know this, Steve, um, they, they work all day, long hours, trying to just make, make a profit, pay their employees, keep their business running. They don't have time to show up to a school board like I do or go to a city council like I do. So what happens is they don't find the information anywhere. They don't know what's going on. And that leads us right back to why only 10 to 15% of people vote because they're just trusting. They don't actually know what's going on. And if they did get the information, they'd probably change their mind and make it a point to go up to show up and vote. But right now, people still believe that it is, you know, 30, 40 years ago where you can trust all these, you know, different entities. Everybody's doing their, their normal job. Um, and I think everybody's just taking their eye off the ball. And COVID, I think, really magnified it. Um, you know, what's really going on? And obviously, you know this, but the, the classrooms, you know, when, when teachers had to start doing, you know, Zooms or webinars, parents started to, to see what was going on. But that's just education. I think there's a lot of other factors, even in business or government or, you know, big business as we start getting federalized. But there's a lot of things that people have woken up to and are starting to see. And now I think we're in this stage of people wanting to fight. They just don't really know what to do. You know, they don't know where to go. And, and I'd encourage people. You know, if you're not happy with what you're seeing now and you feel that, that this region and in Springfield is moving um, in a bad trajectory, take a look at us. You know, let us help you um, not just create a better environment for business, but for the community and for the future kids, um, for, for job growth and, and for this region. And um, it's really just about creating a vision um, and, and allowing people to, to, to get into that vision and buy into it. And, and, you know, that's why I brought you on is because, you know, it, it is about the voters. And oftentimes we don't have very good turnout. I don't care really what election it is. We just don't really get a lot of people to come out and vote. And, and a lot of people sit at home. And this is one way for me actually to help facilitate uh, an education, even though I'm on the board of education, I'm, I'm trying to educate the community, the community enough to, to get up and get out there and vote for some of these important issues that we have, you know. And I, you know, I seen you come to the board of education uh, to the meetings and I'm like, who is this dude? You know? And, and, uh, you know, I got to meet you and, and I'm like, well, what are you doing here? You know? And what it, what it signaled to me is that you were investing in education. You wanted to know what was happening because when you go talk to the people, the businesses that are under your umbrella, you can share the information with them and then they take that information and it just spreads out, you know, like a web. And then we get to more people that will actually realize, man, I should be getting out there and I should be voting because it does make a difference. Unfortunately, we, we really need to hit that hard. Uh, we haven't had what I believe. I mean, if I, if 25% of the community eligible voters isn't voting i don't think that we've done our job you know and i want to thank you for coming on the show god bless you and and i hope you do well um jacob one, uh, compliment that from a, a listener just now that she hadn't heard of you or heard of the um your organization she said wow turn this city around your your quote she said imagine him seeing the need i hope city council as well as chamber are both listening he's listening to the people Amen. Amen. Well, one last thing I'll just say, I know we got to go here, but now is the time to act, to get involved. And it's not this huge revolution where everybody's got to do the raw, raw, because usually 
like myself showing up at, at school board meetings, I'm not the loudest person there. I sit there, I observe, I take notes, and I report. The loudest voices aren't the majority. Mm-hmm. But we have to get involved to turn this community around so those loudest voices aren't the ones that are creating our reality. Amen. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Elijah Har Show. Jacob, thank you for coming on board, and we'll have you again sometime down the road. Appreciate this you, is, Steve. You betcha. This is Steve McCoskey signing off until the next segment. Thank you. A man learns who's there for him when the glitter fades and the walls won't hold. Because from then rubble, what remains can only be what's true. If all was lost, it's more I've gained, cause it led me back. I'm going to finish my Senate. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. This is the Elijah Har Show with former Speaker of the House Elijah Har on 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind. Oh, wait, I'm on the air. You're on the I'm air. I'm sitting here dancing. You're on the air, but whenever, <laughs> nobody's going to complain about listening. That We, we have fit, uh, two minutes and 48 seconds left of this song. If you just want to let it play out, Steve, that's fine. It's a good I'm, one. I'm glad they can't see me dance. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. That's a good social media clip, though. Thank you for the thought. Might do that next time Steve McCoskey that's right, that's right, come in, comes in and uh, guest hosts. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Elijah Har Show on 93.3 and 560 AM radio. This is Steve McCoskey filling in for Elijah. And uh, we've had a whole host of uh, folks on today. And I b- brought another Board of Education member on, for, uh, Christina Townsend. And she is from Ozark uh, Board of Education. And we still have Bridget with us from the Nixa Board of Education. And you have myself, Steve, from the Springfield Board of Education. We're, we're just going to, we're actually going to bring uh, Garrett on as a member of the Board of Education. Might as well. I feel like I've absorbed enough at this point. <laughs> Christina, thank you so much for coming on board today. It's good to have you. Well, Steve, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. I've, I've never had you come on the show before. I, I don't think I've ever heard you on the show before, have you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've been on with Bishop uh, Davidson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a couple times. Okay, good. Well, um, you know, I'm uh, a little curious, and I think some of the listeners are curious. Uh, a while back, earlier in the year, that there was a situation, and, and, and I'm, I don't want to mess this up, but I'm going to explain it how I kind of heard it. And then uh, you can kind of straighten me, straighten me out, okay? <laughs> okay. Here's what I, I gather. You start talking to people that, of your community, that actually are stakeholders and voters that voted for you to be a member of the Ozark Board of Education, right? Yes, sir. Okay. I offered listening sessions. I said, come and talk to me. Tell me what you like about the school, what experiences you've had that have been really great. Tell me some things you think might be better improved. I want to hear whatever you want to share. Just listening. I wasn't talking, really. <laughs> <laughs> and and so all of a sudden, there was a little bit of an uproar over there in Ozark. Like, uh, 
what is this Christina Townsend doing? I mean, is this right? Is this legal? You know, uh, you know, do we have a sunshine request, you know, or, or, or a law being broken here? You know, and, and I'm just throwing some things out there that I oh, hear all of those things. Yeah, I heard them all, I, yes. almost all. And, and, and the situation was that, um, they wanted actually to have you, they being the, uh, other members of the board of education if i if i get this right to sign an agreement that you would not uh do this any further moving forward right well actually you're pretty close they they okay. were um <clears throat> informed that there were some liability issues that perhaps i might say something i shouldn't say that would misrepresent the board or perhaps i would not report something that needed to be reported but but were you the representing the board no, I was just being myself. Oh, okay. okay. Just one person. And the law says, and court case even says, you know, without a quorum of people, there can't be any business conducted, and so you don't represent the board unless you have a quorum of board members there. And I had gotten some legal advice about whether that was allowed and what different kinds of things to be, you know, I don't want to put our board in danger, our district in danger, or do anything that would cause any trouble. So even my friend who's a lawyer came with me. And sat there during the sessions to make sure that I didn't say anything I shouldn't say, or if anything was reported, it would well, get reported. You know, how many members do you have on your board of education? Seven of okay. us. Okay, and so let's just say four or five showed up, right? That would have been a quorum. Okay. Yes. Well, it would be if you're talking about the board of education or what is taking place within your district, right? Yes. If it's, and, if public business is conducted, and that's anything my lawyer friend defined for me. Public business, that's, that's right. That's anything that requires a motion or discussion or a vote. Yeah, but, I mean, you all can get together and have breakfast if you wanted to. We sure could. <laughs> and the court case even went so far as to point that out. One of Missouri's appellate courts wrote a couple of different paragraphs about how important it was the board members ought to be able to talk to each other, but they don't. they don't make decisions, they don't, Right. have business discussions on purpose but if they're all at the same barbecue and somebody else brings up some piece of school business it's not like they all have to run and hide in different areas they can actually discuss it and and that's you know productive that's one of the things that helps the education business do better is have more input have more oversight like you guys were just talking about with the last guest you know having voters looking at businesses and and the same with an education a, a, a school district having voters telling you know this is the thing we want this is what we want our kids to learn this is the product if you will product we're looking for for our kids to learn our kids need to be able to think and reason and evaluate arguments so they can make decisions they're going to be voting soon they're going to be the ones setting the direction for our community they need to be able to analyze information they need to uh dream about it they need to explore they need to extrapolate they're they're going to be inventing things they're going to be the ones who who have the next life-saving medicine that they developed, or they need to have all of those skills. And our parents are the ones who remind us of that. And like you guys were talking about, those academics are the things that need to be emphasized and, and focused on in school. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, just talking to people in the community, I do that all the time, you know, and, <laughs> and they're always asking for your opinion. And you really have to be careful, even when you're talking to them, whether there's a quorum there or not, because really you don't want to talk anything that maybe is not uh that hasn't been published or hasn't been in a a board meeting or something of that nature because there's a lot of sensitive items that we 
we have to take up and and to protect the uh, administrators the staff and our oh, children definitely uh you definitely. know we have to be careful with those kind of things so there are some legal aspects to all yes, of that yes. you know but i i admire it that you're you're like dude come on out i'm ready to talk you know i tell Tell me what's your concerns. What's I, going on? You know, I mean, that's really pretty cool. I kind it's, of felt like that was my duty. I mean, I'm supposed to be representing the voters. How can I know how to represent them unless they tell me? Well, that's a, that's why you got elected, right? Right. They wanted exactly. you, Christina. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, we had uh, uh, Rick Redding. What is, what is uh, excuse me here. Let me get this right. Pete Radecki, because I called him Rick, I think, a couple times, and uh he is uh part of the neighborhood association and it's kind of what you're doing if you kind of think about that you know you're True. you're getting out in front of people and you're saying hey come talk to me what's your concerns i want to know how i can be more efficient or work for you and be better and and find out just what direction do you really want our district to go yes you know yes and then bridget and i we're we start talking about you know, uh, social emotional learning, you know, how Teacher that impacted. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you, I'll bet you that, uh, definitely came up in some of your discussions with some of those folks, didn't it? Uh, yes, I've had disciplinary problems. I've listened how you're going to address them, uh, those kind of things. Yeah, those <laughs> kinds of things come up often. Just any group of people standing and talking, whether you're at church or the grocery store or, or wherever you happen to be, those kinds of discussions come up. And I took that survey that you guys were talking about, and actually I was thinking when I first heard you say, oh, 1,800, was it 1,800 or 1,500 respondents took that? And I thought, oh, that's quite a bit. And then I got to thinking about, you know, there are over 500 school districts in the state, so that's what, three or four people per school district took that survey? Yeah. I, mm. I, I think, mm. you know, if we Good want point. if we want to influence our schools, if we want our kids to have the values we want them to have i think the values are the things that families teach not schools i think families teach those but if we want them to turn out the way we want them to we need to be involved we need to we need to speak up we need to be able to take part we need to exercise that that opportunity that we have in in this great country to contribute our ideas to how our government ought to go not just low voter turnout but low survey turnout you know all of those things if the if we want to sit back and let the state run our schools and raise our children they'll be happy to do it they're doing it (laughs) but if we want to be involved in directing what the kids need to learn we need to step in and do it we need to start wresting back that control from the state we need to Mm -hmm. be involved you know and and that's a very good point because i want to point out what happens on uh uh with our district from time to time you know as a member I tend to ask a lot of questions. Uh, we do have other board members that ask questions and everything. I'm not speaking on their behalf. I'm just making note that they ask a lot of questions, you know, and there's people within the community that do not like that. And, and they, they think that you're just different, you know, that you're, you're loud or whatever, you know, and, and you really don't have a vested interest. Well, why do you think we're asking questions? You know, it, yeah, and it can it could come across, I think, sometimes as that you're perhaps questioning the administration when in really, in actuality, especially for people like us that do not have an education background, to me, it shows that we're willing to ask the questions because we care yep. and because we want to learn 
and because we want to understand. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we are still held accountable. Yes. We are the ones that's held accountable, yes. right? Amen. And so, uh, and curriculum is one of the things in which we're held accountable for. And so it's our role in governance is both to, if you think about it, it's really both to support the district in many ways, right? Through right. our policies, through our CSIP, through our procedures, right? And the initiatives that we, that's an agreed upon situation, agreed upon, and hold the district accountable, right? right. Because to, we are elected by the community and they have expectations from us, um, to do just that. We have a fiduciary responsibility. Amen. Um, and so it's, it's a bridge, really. Yes. I view the Board of Education as a bridge between yes. the district and the community. Yes, good, Bridget. Yeah, and so, you know, back to how it is that when you're asking all these questions, people don't like that. And you have to ask yourself, why mm-hmm. don't you like us asking questions? And so, to me, I'm, I'm actually thinking, what's your motive here? You know, I know what mine is, you know, and, and I, I said it on the air. I said it to you earlier. Mine is there's four walls. I, I just have to keep preaching this because that is my mentality. Yes. That these kids need ABCs and one, two, threes and nothing else. And then when we have yes. the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education come up with SEL, um, you know, I'm still out on that. The verdict's still out on it for me, but I am not actually uh going to jump in and be an advocate of it because i i'm 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 thinking about them four walls i don't want all of this stuff start coming in the classroom and and taking control where we're not actually on our teachers yeah we're we're, yeah yeah, and discipline problems and and end up uh we need to transfer that knowledge to these young minds and stuff and they're very vulnerable they're like sponges and when they get in that classroom you know all these different things happen. I'm talking about cell phones. Do we need cell phones in the classroom? No. Do we have discipline issues? But if we keep that 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 one student or two students that are always having discipline problems, that we keep them in there, so we're not learning. Any none of these other kids are learning because of all of the distractions. And then the teachers are pulling their hair out. Well, maybe not pulling their hair out, but the, I'm just saying. Uh, we talked about it, how they're just leaving in droves. What would you say? 500,000 uh, teachers have left in the United States, yes, their we, careers? We have 500,000 less than we did in 2019. That's incredible. And then the amount of children or students going into education is down by a third from wow. 2008. Mm-hmm. Well, Christina, I, I really applaud you because I think when we were talking on the phone, uh, you talked about, well, Steve, uh, you know, I just want to talk to the people. They just want to talk to me. I just want to learn. I want to do my job better and stuff like that, you know. And and then I think it's something that you said. Um, now they want to do this once a quarter, they being oh, the, the other board members and that. Yeah, you the, had a town hall last night? Last night. The How board, it, the board so? agreed. Let's have all of us have a town hall where yes. we get to listen to concerns and, and things they appreciate. And, and they get to hear from us and ask us questions. That's and went, great. Well, yes, it was now, great. Don't you think that's a victory for you? Not for me. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, for the whole board. I, the, the board decided to do that. They, they said, well, you know, what if we had these quarterly town halls? They agreed to do that. And, you know, and, and we're starting. It was our first one, and there are some things that I might advocate for doing differently, but there were a lot of things that went really well. Like, right. what, like what? what are some of the things that you thought went well? 
there were several different community members there who had questions prepared and and many different board members contributed not mm-hmm. just one or two people speaking and and there were some things that we didn't know and we referred to the administrators mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but i felt like it was a good exchange now there were a couple of community members who had questions that they wanted to be able to follow up on and there just wasn't time for all of those different things but but the board collected the questions that had been sent in online and the ones that were there and and we're going to develop answers and publish them on the website. So I, I feel like that kind of communication back and forth is what's needed, and, and it's a good step that way. What was the makeup of people that came? Were, were there, was it only parents, or were there bus- any business owners? Just kind of like what Jacob talked about before, engagement from, you know, the pillars within the community. That's a good question. Whether it be churches or or businesses, or was it just parents? I think some of the same people are involved in all of those things together. I think that the people who are most concerned about their kids are parents, and the people who are most concerned about businesses are parents in, in a church. I think those are some of the same like-minded people. Well, I think you had a victory. I really think you did, and that's a victory for the kids and the school system, and that just for the simple fact that you've brought them to the table and you're having these these quarterly kind of town halls and that yes. and so you're really still getting the same thing that you wanted it may yes. not look the same yes but it is now and christina god bless you thank you so very much for coming oh, on the show thank you so much for having me it's you great. too you too bridget god bless you yep and Thanks, we'll Steve. we'll do this once again ladies and gentlemen you're listening to the eliza har show and we're going to come back with Lori rook and we're going to end our show at what is it six o'clock ish ish okay <laughs> We'll be right back. Nobody likes those pesky newsletters that spam up your inbox weekly or even worse, daily. That's why our KWTO Insiders Club only reaches out when it's important. If you join our Insiders Club, you get exclusive access to our best content, and we only reach out when you really, really should know something epic that's going on in KWTO land. Be a super fan and check out our Insider Visit JustForHim.com. Even better, stop by Just For Him on Battlefield Road in the Fremont Shopping Center. analysis and opinion it's the elijah har show on 93.3 and am 560 kwto hey we're back this is steve mccoskey filling in for elijah har ladies and gentlemen this is the last part of our segment and i'm very honored to have our guest Lori rook Lori is an attorney for ozarks elder law and a candidate for missouri state treasurer uh, Lori is a managing partner, as I said, from uh, the uh, uh, Ozarks Elder, Elder Law. Excuse me, I better slow down here. She was born and raised in Springfield area. She obtained her undergraduate from Missouri State University in 2023, where she graduated with honors. Okay, In uh, 2006, Lori received her law degree from Oklahoma City University, the School of Law, before returning back to Springfield area. Uh, since 2012, Lori has focused her practice in the areas of elder law, probate, estate planning, business formation, real estate, and litigation. And she's got a heck of a list here of her qualifications. And 
I would probably take up the rest of the whole segment if I was going to read them all. But, Lori, welcome aboard. Thank you very much for having me. Heck yeah, man. And so you decided you want to step up and run for the Missouri treasurer. What made you do something like that? Um, well, Steve, I think that right now, um, people in general, especially Missourians, are kind of tired of um, the establishment, career politicians, and things not getting done. Um, for me, I am running because I want to continue to fight financial abuse and overreach with our seniors that I'm seeing at um, a level in my practice right now that I think I can make a bigger impact on at the state level. Um, and in helping these folks protect and manage and um, wisely invest taxpayer money and to uh, focus on literacy, financial literacy of our children. Well, I, I think that's admirable, especially, you know, uh, you talk about um, finances for elderly people. And I want to mention uh, Senate Bill 190. And that's, I, I really like Senate Bill 190, to be quite honest with you, because I'm at the age of Social Security age where I can retire. And uh, we're looking at Green County specifically that the real estate property tax, um, I can get by without paying my real estate property tax. I, I guess I had Alan Isaac here uh, earlier from Green County, and we talked about this and where in 2024 what's going to happen is is you're going to see a lot of people at the end of the year that uh they don't have to pay their real estate property tax and what that's going to do for many people that they the elderly people they have a hard time trying to pay the rent or pay their mortgage or just survive and pay the bills especially the way inflation's going up and all this because that specific uh, senate bill 190 I think is really an asset for these these elderly people. But as the treasurer, that, that has to deal with the counties. But what does the treasurer actually do, and how can they help protect some of these elderly people? Well, the unique thing about the treasurer's office, um, you know, they, they deal with the 529 plans. They deal with the investments of the state. They deal with lost property um, and, and, you know, looking at, um, you know, kind of how the financials of the state work, but it's also a public advocacy, um, position as well, which I, can see that, yeah. I think is really a draw, um, for me and, and my skill set because that's what I do is I advocate. And so, um, in looking at the financial literacy issues, I think that is, there, there's not enough being done there right now. I think we all know that the, you know, math is a hot topic right now with our students and, and they're behind. We've seen the test scores. This is no secret. And so getting out there and, and dealing with that and talking to these students more. I mean, I'm a mom. I've got three children and I, I, I talk to other moms, obviously. And so this is, you know, kids don't know how to balance checkbooks. They, they, you know, they're, they are being taught that living on credit cards and things like that. Are, are how we get by. And so getting out there and, and being an extra piece um, and just educating and talking about these issues, I think, is really, really important right now. Um, so, and I won't get into the education piece side of it, but I'll let you, <laughs> I'll let you stick with that. <laughs> but um, so. Well, uh, I really appreciate what you say about, you know, uh, trying to help out the elderly. And I, I think what I'd like to know is, is there a difference between uh, the the treasurer that we have currently in office 
Uh, is there a difference in uh, maybe some of the other candidates? I honestly, I don't know exactly who's running. Uh, so why should I vote for Lori Rook to be the treasurer here in the state of Missouri? Um, one of my um, one of my pieces is I'm not a politician. I'm not a career politician. I good, don't need good. to go do this. I have a successful law practice. I am a successful business owner, um, and I enjoy what I do. And but and this is this is not me stepping away from that, but this is me being able to do more and really seeing what I witnessed here in Southwest Missouri and knowing that there's so much more of it going on. This allows me to kind of get on that platform and and be more of a voice um, for these underrepresented people. And when I say that, I mean like the elderly, our senior citizens that are falling victim to scams and abuse and financial fraud, and our children who also are not learning these pieces. And so just being out there and being able to advocate, get in the middle of it, using my skills and my tools that I use on a daily basis um, and so that's what makes me different. That's what makes me unique um, from the other candidates. I like that, you know, because it's like running for a board of education. You know, they they talk about, well, you're on the left or you're on the right, you know, and everybody wants to give you uh, their opinion. And it tends to be nothing but politics. And, and honestly, I don't like politics. Uh, when people talk to me, they may think different than I do. It's not. I I have a passion, and I think what I'm hearing from you is you have a passion, and that is to help people. And like myself, I have a passion to help the kids, the administrators, and our educators within the system. And so, you know, you're going to be up there trying to handle our our money and make sure we're spending it right. And uh, I just want to make sure I have the right person up there. Now, I know that you may have some, uh, maybe you have on your campaign, you maybe have, Maybe fundraisers. Maybe mm-hmm. is there a website? Uh, these type of things. You know, tell us a little bit about your campaign and how you're moving along. Yeah. So we have our kickoff event next Thursday. Um, it's going to be at uh, Finley Farms in Ozark uh, from five thirty to seven thirty. So um, I also, um, if you want to follow along and stay more in tune, um, I have a social media page, which pretty much have to have these days. So no um, on Facebook, and I hate those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then my website is Lori Rook. Um, dot com and very simple you can go there and find out more about my values my background my qualifications and my why uh, as to as to why i am getting involved and in jumping in this race yeah and let's clarify that's l-o-r-i yes. lori and rook r-o-o-k yes uh at it's lori rook.com dot com yes okay dot yep. com yep. okay yeah all right good what about facebook Yes, so um, I my my actual Facebook address I don't know off the top of my head, but if you um, search Lori Rook, um, it You'll is a, find it. Yeah, yeah, it is a public page, so um, it, it should come right up. But um, but yeah, so that's um, that's the best place to get information right now, and um, we'll be you know the Facebook page is just up and running, um, but it's going to be very very active. Right now. Uh, when is the election coming up? So the primary is going to be August 6th of 2024, and there, and that will be the decider of um, who will be the Republican nominee for the November election. So you're a Republican? <laughs> yes. Okay. A conservative or a, a Republican? Which one? A uh, conservative. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've got till August 26th, and people need to go out. Uh, of that, August of 2024. Or 2024, I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah. And we've got then 
that we want to make sure that we're voting for Lori, right? Yes. Um, and so you got a lot of work between now and then. Yep, I do, but yeah. I'm not scared. <laughs> You're not scared right now. <laughs> this, who's, in the cur- who's the treasurer right now? Um, Vivek Malik. Okay, do you know much about this, this um, man? Not more than what's out there right now that's kind of you know public. Was he elected into this office? Um, he was appointed by Governor Parsons. Okay. Um, our the prior treasurer uh, Scott Fitzpatrick won his race for auditor, and um, Governor Parsons appointed him in January of twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm like, uh, if there was a report card for the current treasurer, I know that you may not want to answer that one, but I'm just saying for the treasurer right now that's currently in in the office. Where would where would you rate them? I'm you know, I'm gonna, on the board of education here. I, I talk yeah. about ABCs here, so yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't prepared to answer that question. Um, <laughs> well, then don't answer. So that. you know, I fine. I really want to just focus on my qualification and what's met, sets me apart from that particular person. And very so smart. We do have a very different background. Um, and and uh, he is an attorney as well, practice um, immigration law, and so whereas I am coming from um, an estate planning elder law. Um, background and so um, what I do is plan and I protect um, some of the most vulnerable members of our society which are the elderly and so um, I think that's that's very important to know about us Um, and there are other candidates in the race but when you're looking at him and I we are very different and so I really want to make sure we're planning you know we're looking ahead and things and we're not just putting band-aids on some of the issues that we've been facing Mm -hmm. and that's that's what I do is I'm looking I'm it's transactional Getting ahead of things. How long have you been in business? How long have I been in business? Mm-hmm. Um, our firm just celebrated its 20th anniversary last wow. year. Um, I have owned the practice since 2012. That's fantastic. So we do Congratulations. Have, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Was it in Springfield the whole time? Yeah, the first office, the first location was in Springfield. And um, after um, we took it over, I we branched it out. So we do have nine um, locations throughout southwest Missouri, so that we can service a lot more of the rural counties where a lot of our folks are, um, you know, maybe in their homes, not able to get out and get our services. Um, we want to really be more accessible to everyone. You don't mind, you know, naming a couple of those locations so people out there that, that are listening in mm-hmm. those areas know that they know where to reach you, obviously. Yeah. So we have an office in Lebanon, uh, Marshfield, Bolivar, Republic, Nixa, Ozark, Branson. Um, we have a branch of our firm called Joplin Elder Law, which mm-hmm. is actually over in Joplin. So, um, but it is our sister firm and I do manage that and run that as well. Well, you're just spread out all over. Yep. Yep. Well, that's good because you'll need those votes too. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think we're just blessed to have you come on the show and, and I really appreciate you coming on, Lori. You're listening to, uh, Lori Rook and she's running for Missouri State Treasurer. And we thank you, listeners, for joining us today and hearing why Lori should be our treasurer coming up in 2024. God bless y'all. This is Elijah Harshow, Steve McCoskey, filling in, signing off. God bless you. I saw above me that endless sky.